Hello listeners and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this podcast we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode, we looked at Union Saint-Gilles' exceptional frontman, Victor Boniface, who has been making a massive name for himself in Belgium. Today, though, we will be dissecting the strengths and weaknesses of one of Swedish football's brightest young talents. We love a Scandinavian gem on this podcast, don't we? That player is 19-year-old IFK Gothenburg starlet Hussein Karnail, who is seriously showcasing his talents in Sweden this season. Born in Afghanistan, but has featured for Sweden's under-21s in the past, Karnail is certainly an exciting playmaker with a bright future ahead, so we'd be doing you a disservice by not discussing his all-round game, as well as what we believe his potential in professional football will be, and clubs he can possibly move to in the future. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast, five stars hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the attacking midfielder by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marquez. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been? Hello, Adam. I have been really well, really excited about the podcast we have today. Is it this this really good player? I was, well, I have to admit, like, I had never heard of Hussein Carnell before you text me. I think you only texted me like two days ago uh, before we recorded this and said, we do it on this player. And I thought, yeah, all right, let's go for it. Because you, you watch him a lot closer than I would have. You've obviously done a bit of work on them, so you would have have known about him from doing that and I watched him last night when we're recording this on a Friday I watched him on Thursday night he's outrageously good I have no problem saying he's one of the most exciting players in Swedish football at the minute like he is exceptionally good and he's very different to a player to any player really you would find in the modern game I think maybe it's fair to say he he, he reminds me a lot of like an, a throwback to an old school type football where you would have central midfielders who were just like so direct, would love to take you on, excellent dribblers, whereas now you mainly see that with your wingers and your your midfield, especially say a 4-3-3, your two eights are basically tens and they like to pop up in pockets of space and link up play, one-touch play and, and play in the half space, things like that. He, he's an extremely good dribbler and ball carrier. Talk to me about your first impressions of, of Hussein Carnell. Yeah, he's a old school player. I mean, he's a midfielder. Um, well, he's a winger in the body of a midfielder. <laughs> yeah. Because he is so good. His dribbling is so, so good. And the thing I really like about him is how he uses both legs, both foots to dribble and then to deliver and product, take a shot or everything. He is so unpredictable. Tell know, me why because... that's important before we say, because he's good with both feet, but tell me why that's really important in the middle of the park. I mean, and it's so important as a footballer because you have to be unpredictable at times. But yeah. with this player, with, with Carneal, which is a dribbler and is playing on the midfield, when you're playing on the midfield and you want to dribble, you have to hide the ball. And the way you, have, you hide the ball is moving it from feet to feet. And it, it's really, really crazy how fast he does that because... You have to see, like in a slow motion, to, to like catch those movements mm-hmm. from foot to foot because he's so fast. 
in his footwork. And it's really amazing to have such a player with that technique to be unpredictable, you know, because you as a defender don't know where the ball is going, where the ball is at the moment. You're stretching your leg to do a tackle and you don't, you don't like touch the ball because mm -hmm. he's hiding it. He's touching it from side to side and it's really crazy. But yeah, Hussein Carnell is a really dynamic, mobile, fast midfielder with a low center of gravity who can, which can make, make body turns with the ball. Uh, he can feint defenders before taking the ball. He can dribble with such a creativity, you know. Um, mm -hmm. He's not this, this kind of uh, dribbler that, I don't know, makes feints with his body and that's how he evades opponents. He does that well, but the kind of skills he does with the ball is so good. He's, in a way, you will find uh, more slower players on their decision-making more elegant, but he's like a combination of elegance and explosiveness because his technique is so, so good. One thing I like about him so much is that, and actually, we'll talk about weaknesses in a bit, and you can kind of classify this as a weakness. He kind of plays in the moment, if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't... Yeah. And I'll, I'll speak about this as a weakness. I'm giving a little bit of a spoiler here, but he doesn't play two or three steps ahead of the game like so many amazing midfielders have in the past. Maybe that'll come with time. At the moment, he just plays in the moment, like... He'll get the ball and just decide what he's doing there, and he'll just go with the flow if that makes sense. And it's yeah. it's fun to watch. I mean, for a young player, he's exciting. He's so confident in his ability. And you said about his skills, the sheer array of skills he has in his arsenal is amazing. Because I've seen him from the games I've watched him in with Gothenburg in in Sweden doing Cruyff turns, doing drag backs. I mean, like... <laughs> he has so many skills. Ridiculous for a 19-year-old to have that confidence. And he's playing on he's playing on artificial grass as well, which needs to be taken taken into consideration where it's very flat, obviously, as well. And, I, I mean, maybe if he played in the clunkier pitch, it'd be more difficult. But, like, in the, in this day and age, that's not really as relevant as it probably used to be. Um, but, yeah, like... the the way he's under pressure and he'll take a player on, they'll come from behind the hill, do a Cruyff turn down the down the line or he'll he'll drag it back, flick it forward, drag it back again, move into I mean it's ridiculous. It, the, the, yeah. He's and as I said, it, it links into him playing in the moment. He just he just does it in the moment and he doesn't think about it. It's just natural to him. And that natural I hate saying rawness of a player, but he is quite raw, if that makes sense. And actually, I was only speaking to Lee Scott on the podcast, which was released. This will be released. It'll, it'll be about a week and a half when this is released after this. But I was speaking to Lee Scott, and he said he hates the term raw. Like, a player is very raw because he doesn't really know what that means. It's usually just a generalization. And he is right, but it's the best way I could say it, he's just, he is raw. You can see there's a lot of things still need to be coached into him, but I love his ability of forgetting the world around them when he dribbles. And we will discuss that in a bit. It is a bit of a weakness. Um, playmaking, Brian. Talk to me about his playmaking. Yeah, Hussein Carneal, the people get to know him. He plays mainly as a 10. Even if he play, he's, he's playing at, at the midfield of three, 
he is playing as a ten within his role. You know, he he which is a forty-three-one usually at Gothenburg. Yeah, so sometimes he can play on the wing, mm-hmm. in the left wing mainly. So he he can play inverted outside. The way he goes outside and take on players and penetrate the box is really good because when you have a dribbling midfielder or a dribbling winger, you can have like a dribbling winger with playmaking abilities not that good or a midfield who tends to dribble and is very good um, in his playmaking or all that. But this player, Hussein Carneal, is so complete. You know, you normally think of players like um, in midfield, like Tony Cross, Luka Modric, who mm-hmm. dynamize possessions. Uh, I think Carneal just rocks possession. He's playing, he's like <laughs> performing a rock and roll in the midfield because he's so explosive. And then his playmaking. When he arrives to the box after a ball, he, he drives the ball forward, which with such a, I don't know, he he's flowing um, creativity, dribbling and passing players. But his playmaking is so good. He finds players uh, making the run into space. He's doing true passes. He just knows what kind of movement that their teammates are pointing him. He mm-hmm. he really likes this kind of um, movement of the striker at, at making the through pass between the fullback and the centre-back and the striker going from the middle to the outside. Yeah. Well, not the outside, but not the outside, but, you know, making that diagonal one to get the ball and face the goalkeeper. That kind of... Um, his playmaking ability in that sense, I mean, is so good. He can just... He can surprise uh, defenders with taking a cut. He's cutting inside, outside, in the edge of the box, and then taking a shot. Um, he has a score, I think, one goal in, in the Alsvescan. But he's so good. in he scored two goals. At the edge of the, bo- at the, oh, edge of the box. I think, sorry, yeah, he scored two goals. Two goals and one in- maybe in the cup, maybe one in the league. Yeah, one in the cup right now. The cup yeah. is playing which is playing right now yeah. and at the Alsvescan the last season. Mm-hmm. So it, it, when you think of this player, when you see Hussein Carneal, he's a player who can pick the ball um, in the middle third and drive forward and then create a through pass and just make players be in high scoring chances so easily. I also want to say, and I'm looking at his heat map right now at the moment from his time at Gothenburg. It's really important when you have a young player like that that they have a certain freedom when he's yeah. when you're that type of player. And at Gothenburg, he has that freedom. And I think yeah. in a more restrictive system, you wouldn't see him playing at his best because they're limiting his abilities on the ball, especially. But when they play in that four-two-three-one, he plays the ten. From his heat map, he dominates again the half spaces. So on the left, mainly on the right, but still on the left as well. Rarely in yeah. that, as we'd call the zone 14, rarely there. He's usually out wide in the half space. But the reason he's there is because when they have possession in that 43 1, they create a triangle with the right winger, right central defensive midfielder, and the right back. But then he'll come across then to whatever side the ball's on. And he's given that free run yeah. to do that in possession. It creates that overload then of. The, whether it, I don't like putting the uh, really a shape on it. it's not a diamond because it's so fluid but it's just a quartet of four 
creating that overload. And as you said, then he can kind of, in that halfway position, he can receive the ball, slip that ball in between the fullback and central defender into a runner in behind, which is the assist before the assist. Yeah. And the thing I love the most about how he's developing at Sweden right now is that kind of free role. Mm-hmm. He's so free on the pitch. He goes from side to side, joining this kind of triangles or diamonds, whatever you want to call him. Um, he goes from side to side, picking the ball and then making decisions. If he wasn't playing at a so fluid system like the Gothenburg one right now, he just couldn't be showing that kind of creativity and ideas he has. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And that's what I said. I think in a more restrictive system, you would not get the best out of him. And thankfully, he's in at a right team right now to develop still a lot of things that need to improve on as we'll move on to. But one of my favorite aspects of his game, I said this to you actually before we started recording, he rides challenges so well. I was blown away by how many times he gets kicked. Like, I mean kicked. Yeah. And he stays on his feet. <laughs> He doesn't look for the foul. He doesn't go down and cry and want the foul. He wants to keep going. So he'll get it. I mean, so many times he's gone between two players and they both kicked him. He's fallen to one knee, but he stood back up or he's, you know, he's running while the jersey is being pulled off his back and he's still staying up. And that's such a, that's actually, such I, I'm going to say, style. yeah, I, it's such an old school style. And I was, I said this to you before we start recording and I said, I'm not going to say this because it makes me sound stupid. But I need to clarify, I am not comparing him with these players. I'm merely saying it is a, an attribute that they share. It's so like a, a Maradona, a Messi or a George Best. If you watch their games, or especially Maradona and George Best when they were, I mean, half the time George Best was getting the, the, the legs. Yeah. His knee is hacked off and he keeps staying on his feet because he wants to keep going. And Messi the same. I mean, it's so impressive to watch. And he has as well what I'd call, or sorry, not what I'd call, what you call, and it's a term I learned from you, or maybe you, you I think you got it from basketball, the gravity, is that correct? Yeah, the player gravity. Can you explain, explain what that means, sorry, in case this is someone's first podcast and they haven't heard us use that term before? Yeah, the player gravity is basically what a player with his quality and does. Like, he can generate space by only his quality because two or three players are going to defend every time. Mm. It's like when Messi has the ball, it's just not only one player who's going to defend him. It's two, three or four even. And the kind of space he's creating with that gravity he attracts, it, yeah. it, it's absurd. Yeah, no, it's so impressive. I, we'll move on to his, his goal scoring for a second. This may play into... We'll talk about the positives first, but we'll we'll ease into the weaknesses then. Goal scoring, in front of goal when he's shooting, most noticeable attribute, extremely powerful. Like, yeah. he's not that big. He's quite a slight player. Although he's not tiny, to be fair. Like, he's not, you know, we're not talking five, 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 six here. He's relatively he's bigger than that. I think five, nine, is that correct? I actually embarrassingly haven't written down yeah, his right, height, I mean, but he's yeah. he's not too tiny anyway. And he's, he's quite big enough physically. Um, yeah. So he's not easily shrugged off the ball either. And as I said, if he's getting kicked around and he's able to stay on his feet, that's so, so impressive. Because if he goes to a league like eventually in the Premier League or or the Italian League or the French League, where it's ex- or Bundesliga, sorry, where it's extremely physical, 
you will get those dangerous tackles on you and, and he shows that he's able to ride them. Yeah. But his goal scoring, yeah, extremely powerful for a guy that's, I mean, last week we spoke with Victor Bonifacio was an extremely powerful shot, but he's massive. Hussein <laughs> uh, Car- yeah. Carnell isn't that big physically, but he's his, his shooting is amazing. There was one shot in particular, I can't remember the team that it was against. He took on like three or four players and blasted a left-footed shot at the crossbar. And it, I mean, it the, the, the goal post nearly broke in half. I was blown away. It didn't go in, but it was amazing. Like the way he, as we spoke about the gravity, he attracted like three players towards him. He beat them all himself, cut inside on the left and rocketed a shot. Nearly broke the crossbar. Unbelievable strike. Didn't go in, but it was an amazing piece of work by him. Talk to me first about some more positives on that side yeah, of the but, game because he wants to score. Yeah. I would like to 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 add something on, on your point of mm-hmm. uh, that he's been kicked and all that and he did the, the attributes he shared with such big players like Messi or, or Maradona in that kind of, of sense. Uh, for me, all these goals and it, it, it gives the hand with how touch how much touches he gives to the ball when driving it. You know, because it, it's the close control. And I really love players with a close control that are running and are given a lot of touches. They have the ball so close, so stick to their foot. And that's why maybe they cannot like fall him down or something like that because he has such a good balance and control. Yeah. Just focusing on sticking the ball to the foot and not giving those long touches and looking for mm. a foul, running without the ball and all that. Like, I don't know, the players like Vinicius maybe at times mm. could do that, you know? Vinicius is also a close control player, but he does it at times. But when you think of Carneal, when you think of a midfielder with close control, with that dynamic, and then you see him taking shots... <laughs> it's unbelievable you know because i was uh, expecting a player who was going with plays with, with this uh, curve shots and all that without yeah. less with less power and all that so in my mind is like how much energy and strength do you have to take on three players from the middle third and now arrive to the edge of the box and take that powerful shot. Must have, must unbelievable. Have, must have massive calves because you you would to, to ride yeah. that many tackles and then get a shot away that powerful. On yeah. consistently as well, you, you'd have to have massive calves. I mean, he's as I said, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's not small either. He he's quite physically well built oh, too. Exactly, he's like an, on a middle point. Yeah. and when you're on, on that um, physical point. Um, you have to be so strong in your lower body, mm-hmm. you know? Like oh, you he have is. to have yeah. yeah, he is. And you have to have a strong hip to retain the ball, to yeah. not be uh, fall down every time. And you have to have strong legs to take the shots. And I really like how unpredictable he can be to take the shot with his left foot or right mm-hmm. foot. You know, he, he can take a powerful shot to the near post with his left foot or look to the near to the far one or then with his right foot as well. Um, I think this season that is uh, get get to start at the Alves Scan in this 2023, I think it's going to be a really good season for him and I, I want to establish him because the last season 
uh, he was playing not that much minutes. He wasn't that regular right now. Towards I the think, end, towards the end, he played more. Yeah, he played more towards the end of the season, and I think now having a full season with yeah. Gotteborg is going to be so good. And now he's playing regularly on the uh, Sweden Cup. Mm-hmm. Or so many young players. I recommend the listeners to to watch that cup because he's is so good. So many young players, talented players, played there. So, I mean, this has to be a season of bigger numbers in the case of assisting and scoring because mm-hmm. he wants to score. He wants. I I think he is um underperforming his xG at the moment, but he wants he to score in the in the moment he picks up a, a long shot and it goes in the form is just going to go up and up and up and the goals are going to come and one thing about his assistant that I saw at Göteborg is like he makes so many passes and their teammates needs to be more clinical with those kind of passes that he he gives them but he's underperforming his expected assists, but that's not really a fault of his own. As we talked about Victor Boniface last week, having nine assists, but only an expected assist of about 3.21, I think it was. That shows that they're being clinical with the chances he's creating, whereas in this case they're not. But obviously you have to take into account the quality of the league as well. If you go up to a higher league, the chances are they will be better in front of goal. In theory, anyway, better in front of goal because they have better quality of players. Um, Just before we move on to weaknesses, I want to backtrack a little bit on a point because I should have made it and I didn't but a couple of months ago we had Paul McGuinness on the podcast former long-term Manchester United coach coached the class of 92 David Beckham Neville Skulls Giggs etc all the Marcus Rashford I mean a, a whole host of incredible incredible world-class players but he mentioned and he follow him on Twitter as well by the way because he posts some amazing stuff he always talks about flow and what he means by flow is a player that can change direction in an instant. So yeah. if the back line is, or if the, a defender is going one way, he's able to do a, a, a Ronaldo chop, as they'd call it, or a Cruyff torn to send the defender the wrong way and then create space for himself. And it's he, he just has that. He's just so good in those tight areas. He's so good at changing the direction yeah, of his... Of his face, of yeah. his wand, everything. Yeah. yeah. In terms of weaknesses... I, I just yeah. want to say he, while I love his ability to play in the moment and his confidence, especially shooting outside the box, since in the last calendar year, I believe, with uh, Gothenburg, he's taken about 51 shots. About half are outside the box. His XG per shot is 0.06, which is really low. Sometimes he shouldn't shoot. and I understand he's a young player but there's so many times when I've watched his final third play and his shots in particular there's a player in a better position and he's refused to use them because he's playing in the moment he's after taking three players on he just wants to whack at that goal and see if he scores an incredible goal whereas sometimes get the assist play the little pass out wide and then they can cross it and score and you get Okay, yeah. you might not go down the record book for having them getting a second assist, but it's still a goal, and ultimately that's the game, isn't it? To play as a team and to win yeah. as a team. Yeah, but the kind of weakness um, Houston Kyrnil has right now is the kind of weakness you say you said like, okay, it's a weakness, but at least he has the confidence, yeah. or at least he's creative and all that. 
he obviously sometimes it's more explosive than rather than what the moment asked for him you know mm. in a moment maybe he needed to bring pause to the team and all that so he has to i think it's a young player thing this this kind of went to pause went to run went to accelerate and all that and then yeah I, i agree with you sometimes at the edge of the box he's like so in need of a, of that goal of scoring that big goal that long yeah. shot and all that so he shouldn't shoot so constantly because players are in a better position at the moment but when you see his executions he's like okay just keep shooting <laughs> it's like counterproductive because you know that he's going to shoot and he is obsessed with shooting but at times the executions are of a high level mm-hmm. of technique but yes he has to he's a young player he's 19 he he has to he know he needs to know several tactical things of when to dynamize when to not when to keep linking up when to make the assist and all that but i really think he's a really intelligent player to keep growing one thing as well when i watched gotteborg i noticed that When he does moments like that where he probably should have passed and then maybe his decision-making is a bit off, because, again, he's only 19, the players didn't get really... They, I mean, they didn't get annoyed at him. They kind of, they applauded him mainly. I think that's yeah. really important to have that kind of support around you because they know how good he is and they know that he's still a young guy. His decision-making is not going to be great. They didn't lose it at him. They're not trying to knock his confidence. And you can see his confidence has not been knocked. The grows of anything. I mean, when you watch him, it oozes confidence like in his own ability. And I think the the teammates, while we're not discussing Gotteborg as a team, I think they should be taken into account that they see him on the pitch anyway to be very supportive of him and, and, and his development. And they yeah. really know that there's a proper talent here. That, that should be... Uh, the environment for every young yeah. kid, you know. Un- like, unfortunately, uh, it's not though. So that's why I'm yeah. saying I think it's important that we say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's really good to have uh, this kind of players around you when you take a bad decision, mm-hmm. just applauding you and saying, "Okay, it's not that good, but it's coming. It's coming. Try something new." It's the way you communicate that to a young player, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's briefly discuss them because. There's probably no sense in going into teams he can go to in the future because things change quite quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's not really a team I can stand out and go. They need this player because he's so young. Realistically, he'll probably be uh, either put into if he goes to like a Premier League club, he'll either go to the under twenty threes or he'll be a bench player at most. So I think he. The better question is to to ask what league may be the best for him to jump to next. Is it going to Belgium? Have we seen what a lot of players have done, going from Scandinavia to Belgium to grow before making the leap to a top five league? Or is it to yeah. stay in the Alsvenskan for a couple more seasons or go to the Dutch league? Or or, or what? where do you kind of see his future in the next? I mean, the summer I mean, transfer window's coming up, by the way, because there's going to be, there's yeah. going to be team scouting him, of course. He's incredibly gifted. There are going to be teams scouting him. So the temptation will be there to move in the summer. I've no doubt about that. So yeah, and what, what advice would you give him then for a league he can go to? For me right now, the decision he has to take is uh, just spend this full season, which 
for the listeners that don't know that the, the Aldous can like last throughout all the year yeah since the, the, it started I, I think it's going to start April or well, something that's, like that yeah th- that's why a lot of teams though or a lot of players move in the January transfer window because their season's over then and they don't move as much yeah. in the summer if that makes sense yeah exactly so I really think he has to leave that full season with Göteborg at the mm-hmm. Alsterskan and I really think the Eredivisie it should be a really good step for him because as we have talked about with Sharawi in the in the last podcast, um, it's a league where creativity and young players are friends. You know the freedom they give to the players to to be creative and have uh, new ideas when playing and all that is really good. But I would love to see him as well, or in the Eredivisie or Belgium. You know, it, it could be uh, the best idea maybe for 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 him at this moment and mm-hmm. even not at this right moment. I mean, for me, the n- biggest advice someone could give to him is play this season, this full season at the Alsvescan in Sweden, at your country, and then just see what offers are going uh, for you. I agree. And I think we spoke about Belgium, I think. Stay out the book for the rest of the 2023 season. If you move in January, then you'll get a taste for what that league's like. You stay in Belgium for a year or two and you're ready to move to a top five league. I think it's a really good way for him to progress his development. But as I said, things change pretty quickly and planning three years ahead is not realistic in football in, in anything because it just changes so quickly. But if you haven't watched Hussein Carnell, please, please do check him out. I, I, I understand that footage may be difficult to get. There are clips available on YouTube. Obviously, you wouldn't really tell you the full picture, but just have a quick glance at them. I, I wouldn't usually recommend looking at those highlight reels on YouTube because they're highly edited to look at all his good yeah. moments and they can make a player look like Messi. But do check him out because he's he's incredibly exciting and he's certainly one to watch for the future. And Brian, I want to say thank you so much for coming on again to the podcast. I really enjoyed this chat and to all the listeners at home. I hope you enjoyed as well. Make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast for you all to enjoy. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends, and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.